you standing next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Meet Us at Molly's. This is episode eight, and I'm one of your hosts. Um, I'm Brenna, and with me is, as always, Ashley, who's the MVP of this. She's been on every episode so far. So, Ashley, how are you doing tonight? Good. Hey, everybody. Yeah, so we're going to get into it. As always, we're going to start with a little bit of news. There's not a whole lot considering we recorded on Thursday and now we're recording on Sunday, but there is a couple things we want to touch on. Um, so first things first is probably the biggest piece of news. Um, we from TV Line had an exclusive the other day that they've cast Burgess's new boyfriend, um, Zach Appleman, who was on Sleepy Hollows, um, has been cast to play um, federal prosecutor Matt Miller. Um, he's going to appear, according to TV Line, he's going to appear in episode eight, and he apparently really liked quote really likes Burgess and thus is fighting to balance his work and personal life. However, complications in the pair's relationship arise when they realize they're both working mob cases, pitting Chicago prerogatives versus federal initiatives. Um, my first thought was, I don't know who he is, but he's super good looking. He's very attractive, so well done, Burgess. Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be, I think based on that description, I think the fact that Right away, as soon as we're going to see them, they're going to have a conflict. I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Ashley, what are your thoughts on the little bit we've learned so far? I'm excited to see it, yeah. He's like, I agree with you. He is cute. <laughs> I yeah. don't know who he is either, but he's cute. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, though, I I really wish we still Justice was still around for this. I think this storyline would have played out really interesting on that and kind of had he been able to be worked in as a character on there, I think that would have been really interesting and like would have made some for some really great crossovers. But yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, episode eight. So what we should see that before like winter hiatus, right? Cause they're not going off like fire is. No, I think, I think they might be like 10 episodes or something and then go on hiatus. Okay. Yeah. So we'll definitely see this in the next couple of weeks, um, month, week and a half, whatever. We'll see this soon. So, yeah, super excited. Um, and then the last really piece of news that we got was there was another deleted scene from PD that was released. It wasn't a whole lot in there. It was basically just showing how in kind of the middle of the episode they would have, you know, they hit more walls when it came to Thomas' case. We'll retweet that on our timeline, so go check that out. Um, but it's not – there's not a whole lot of things that we felt that really needed to be discussed from that. Um, so, yeah. So moving on to talk about um, – Chicago Fires 602, which um, is called Ignite on Contact. Um, as always, we're going to kind of break this down by storylines. Um, and I think the first thing, actually we need to talk about just so we can get it out of the way is all this Stella Severide Hope crap, because I just want to move on from this. Uh, you know it's going to be a good episode when, it op- when the first scene opens and Taylor Kinney is shirtless. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly where I wanted to start. So yeah, like Ashley said, the first scene of the episode, um, we get to see Severide. He's in his kitchen, you know, making coffee without a shirt, because that's obviously how you make coffee is without a shirt. Um, And so his new roomie, Stella, comes in and she, you know, pours herself some coffee. And of course, if Severide's shirtless, she needs to be shirtless. So she takes off her shirt in the kitchen, which 
I thought was so great. Um, and she kind of just makes a joke. She's like, I knew this roomie situation would work out. And she just like walks out and it's, it's just a great scene to like start the episode with. And yeah, Ashley, like you said, it's like, obviously it's going to be a great episode when Severide shirtless in the first like minute. Great. Um, so then the next scene is kind of, we get to see hope again. I'm like rolling my eyes as I'm like talking about this. Um, but so hope drops Sylvie off at the firehouse for a shift and you know, she makes a comment about how good it feels to kind of get out of Fallerton, even just for, like, a few minutes or for a few weeks, whatever. And then Otis and Cruz and Cap kind of, like, scare them and play a prank on them. And so as the boys kind of walk away, you know, Hope – and Sylvie's with them, too. But Hope kind of has this, like, jealous look on her face, like a disappointed look. And it almost seems to me, like, from that moment, I kind of knew – like, it kind of felt – that she seemed to be missing out on kind of that family dynamic that Firehouse 51 has. And I just, and I didn't know, and it, to me, I guess my first thought was that I hope she doesn't try to like weasel her way into this like forcibly. But as we see later on in the episode, she's apparently spending a lot of time at Firehouse 51 lately. So it seems that she's trying to do just that. Um, but yeah, so... Later on in the episode, in terms of the Stella Severide Hope triangle thing, um, when Mouch is, I think this is one of my favorite scenes. So Mouch is assigning people their events for the muster, and Stella just kind of casually announces to everyone that she's living at Severide's. And it was so casual, and everyone's just like, wait, like, has this look on their face, like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? Like, you're living at Severide's? I just, that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the episode by far. Ashley, what did, did you have any thoughts on that? Like, it's just so casual. She says, and she just, said, dropped a bomb. Like, what? And everybody's like, what? Like, I, they wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no, it was, it was so casual. And especially Gabby, who we're, I'm getting ready to bring up in a second. The Gabby Stella friendship in this episode was so great. I know everyone kind of was sending us Twitter messages and they were like, please talk about Stella and Gabby, like this friendship. It's amazing. And I agree, it's pretty great. Um, so what are the, like, kind of the main scene we get to see, the main scene we get to see between Gabby and Stella is when they're practicing for their hose event for the muster. Okay, first of all, I don't understand what this hose event was for the muster. I, like, was so confused. Ashley, do you have any idea what they were talking about? What the fuck could you be doing with hoses, like, as a relay? I, I was just so confused. Do you have any idea what they might have been talking about? No, I have no idea. I was just, I was so confused. I was just like, but anyway, that has nothing to do with the actual scene, really. I just needed to vent my frustration about how confused I was over what this event was. But anyway, um, so yeah, Gabby, the whole scene is basically just Gabby saying like they need to make an effort to hang out more, which I agree because we need more of this all the time. And she also starts to question whether it's a good idea that Stella lives with Severide. Stella swears she's not hung up on Severide anymore, but sure, you're not Stella, because why? Who wouldn't be hung up on Severide? I mean, like seriously, you're living with him. Like it can't be. It's not going to end up well. But anyway. Then later on in the episode, we get to see Brett practicing dragging her dummy around and Hope shows up yet again. And so kind of going back to what I said about 
Hope kind of being clear, you know, clearly being jealous and, you know, want about this family dynamic. So Herman and Otis pop over to give pointers about how Brett should drag her dummy around. And Hope makes a comment about how lucky Brett is to be such a part of such a tight-knit group, like 51. And, you know, then she kind of leaves and she's like, I'm going to get some water. So she goes into the kitchen area and intentionally runs into Severide, obviously. And, you know, she's like, oh, you promised to hang out with me before I leave. And I just, (laughs) Ashley, I can't do this anymore. We're two episodes in and I can't do it anymore. Like, she needs to stop clinging to Severide because she looks so desperate in this scene. And Ashley, how did you feel about Hope in this scene? Am I alone in thinking that she looked way too desperate? No, I agree. I just, she's, I just don't like her. No, it's two episodes in. We are two episodes in and I just, I can't. It just, it was not a good move on her part. She just, like I said, she looked a little too desperate, but whatever. And then right after this, you know, Stella and Gabby kind of see them talking in the hallway and Stella comments about, you know, Hope's been hanging around too much. And Gabby kind of gives her this look that's basically like, really? Like, you're claiming to be over Severide? But, so anyway, that scene ends. And later again, um, we get to see Sylvie still struggling with this freaking dummy. And Stella um, helps her bring it back to the closet. And they're talking about Hope. And so Sylvie shares that Hope's, you know, going through something at home, but it's not going to tell her which is strange to her because Hope shares everything. Um, And Stella makes the comment about how people change. And she goes, you know, you know, you don't notice it as much when you're around them, but you spend some time apart. And then Cruz joins them and (laughs) saying that Sylvie looks as bad as he feels, which they're both just doing the wrong events. And it's really funny to see. Um, And so he offers to put her dummy back in the closet and he does so with ease. And Sylvie's face at this moment is like, really like you can just pick it up and walk away and I'm struggling over here and if anyone has a gif of that Sylvie's face in that moment send it to me ASAP because it's such a great I want to use that gif forever and ever and ever and then so the last thing really in terms of all the like Stella Hope Severide stuff is when they're at the muster Stella kind of attempts to prove that you know she is this single woman who can go out and sex up all of Chicago that she wants And, you know, she claims that, again, this is like the third time this episode, that she's not hung up on Severide. But Gabby kind of makes this point that, like, the more she says about Severide and that she's not hung up on him, it really means that she is hung up on him. And I could not agree more. I think the more you talk about something, and even if it's just like, oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore, I'm fine, I'm fine, it really means you want to talk about it. I mean, and that goes for just everything, you know, whether it's guys or just anything about life in general, is the more you talk about it or the more you try to bring it up in the conversation, it really means you want to talk about it. So, Ashley, do you think Stella's hung up on Severide or is she just in denial? What's going on here? What do you think? Yeah, I think she still likes him. Yeah, it's obvious. And I'm really, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, last week and then in our text. I mean, I'm very excited to see how this plays up. I hate Hope, and I'm not totally there yet on Stella and Severide as a couple, but I'm very excited to see 
how it all plays out over the next couple weeks. You can just um, sense the tension between Stella and Severide, and, like, I need right. it to happen. Right, and especially in that first scene, you know, in the kitchen, I mean, that scene was really nothing except to show us that there's still sexual tension there. And that they're two very attractive people living together. But that's beside the point. But it, that scene was all really about showing that, especially now that they are living together, there is even more tension on the tension that has already been existing for all of season five. So I think that, I mean, that was the whole point of that scene. But yeah, so we'll see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks. But then the biggest part of the episode is kind of the aftermath of what happened in last week's episode and the kind of conclusion of this school fire storyline. Um, so in the beginning of the episode, we get to see Donna and Bowden meeting with Severide and Casey to kind of discuss the fire and what theories they might have about what happened. So Donna says, you know, the students were whispering at school, but none of them really want to talk to counselors or authorities. And, you know, she had claimed last week that she thought the fire was set intentionally and that this was probably arson. And so she goes, she knows it's very vague, but Bowden always feels that her instincts are spot on. So he's just like, yeah, what Donna says, you know, goes, and I want to like investigate this the further. So he, ta he tasks Casey and Severide to go to the school, kind of make sure OFI doesn't mess anything up and miss anything because like I said, he trusts Donna and he wants Donna's opinion to be validated and wants it to be true. Um, so kind of after the truck incident that happens in the episode that we'll talk about in a second, um, Bowden, we see Bowden and Donna at school and she spots some of the kids going into the building that were in the chemistry lab. And she says, you know, she feels if she wasn't a new teacher there, then maybe they would come talk to her. And Bowden kind of reassures her that she's done all that she can but she's still upset that, you know, whoever started this fire is still in the school and is still living this, you know, life going unpunished for what they did. Um, and so she knows, she goes, you know, you know me, no fires, Wallace, but I know kids and you have to trust me. And I think in this moment, I mean, we've talked a lot about how much we love Bowden and Donna and that relationship and, you know, in that moment, especially when Donna said that line about, you know, you may know fires, but I know kids and you have to trust me. You can just see how much love and respect and trust there is between these two. And it's it's just such a great relationship, like serious relationship goals right there. Um, but yeah, Ashley, do you have anything to comment about the kind of the beginnings of this storyline so far? No. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, it gets it gets a little trickier, so especially in this next part. So Severin and Casey arrive at the school for their kind of initial inspection, in inspection, and it's confirmed by the OFI people that are there that the fire started in the chemistry lab, and they think that it started. You know, chemicals were left on the on the counter, and so it's kind of by that. But then. Casey and Severide noticed that there's a char line going all the way on the floor, all the way to the door. And at first I was like, oh, this means Donna's right. Like, it's arson. But then it's like I had this moment of that's way too easy. Like, they found a char line. It's arson. Okay, great. But wait, we're like 10 minutes in. This can't be this easy. <laughs> um, so as I was expected, it's not that easy. Um, 
Severide checks the floor and he finds that the tiles on the floor weren't up to code, something I literally never would have thought about the fact that tiles have to be up to code, but tiles have to be up to code apparently, and they weren't. And so apparently the char line happened after the fire was already burning. So maybe this whole thing is not arson. And there's all these questions Basically, Casey and Severide's visit did nothing but stir up way more questions about what actually happened in this fire and who said it and why they said it and all these things. So afterwards, they go and meet with Bowden, and he's not a fan of what he hears from his two best guys. And so he has this um, line, which I think I was a little harsh. He goes, help me to understand this. I sent you there to help OFI look for signs of arson, but instead you rule it out. Like, damn, Bowden, you were a little harsh. Like, someone's got his blinders on. Like, calm down. <laughs> and this, I think, was what... And I think what happens next, so Severide kind of then starts to wonder if Donna's hunch is wrong, but then Casey obviously reassures Bowden that, you know, they're going to take a another look. And Casey's face when Severide says maybe Donna's hunch is wrong is priceless. And I saw people, especially there was, like, a gif going around, I think, from the fire account. But there's a gif going around of this facial expression, and it's great. And I saw it all over Twitter right after the episode and on Friday. But it's a great gif. And if you haven't seen it, I'll find it and retweet it again because it's pretty great. Um, but then, I mean, they have there's more facial expressions of concerned looks. But so when they leave and after they agree that they're going to take another look, Casey and Severide leave Bowden's office, and they exchange these kind of concerned looks because – of course they do because Bowden's not thinking clearly and he's letting how much love and respect he has for Donna just kind of blind him. Um, and so they're very concerned. And so later on we get to see Severide and Gabby and Casey talking in the meeting room. And, you know, Severide voices these concerns that Bowden's not thinking clearly. And Gabby agrees, but at the same time, she understands where Bowden's coming from as his wife almost died in that fire. And Gabby gives a look here that shows, you know, she's still clearly affected by Casey almost dying in that fire in the season finale last year. But I just, my thing, and actually I don't know if you agree and you thought this either, but it's clearly she's so deeply affected, but why won't she just come out and say it? I mean, she did talk to Chaplin Orlovsky, but that is over. But, you know, she's still clearly affected, and all these little things that are happening shows that she's still clearly affected. So why isn't she just coming out and saying that? Yeah. She needs to, she needs to like, express her thoughts and right. everything. And I wonder if it's going to bubble up, and then, like, you know, it's just going to build and build and build, and then we're going to see Gabby just, like, lose her shit one day because of everything. Happens. Yeah. And, I mean, I kind of, just for the sake of, like, character development and a good story, I hope that happens. I mean, obviously, I love Gabby, and I don't want to see her, you know, be this affected and be so upset and still, like, have all this PTSD, in a way, from this event. But for the sake of a good story, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this scene ends um, basically with Gabby suggesting 
that Casey and Severide should go talk to the kids since kids apparently trust firefighters. I mean, I guess I do trust firefighters, but I don't know if I'd want to. It's still the sense of opening up to a stranger, and I don't know how I feel about that. But Gabby seems to think it's going to work, so why not? So that's exactly what Casey and Severide go to do. They go to speak to this chemistry class. And, I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, they're basically like, does anyone know anything? No one wants to speak up. Severide says, you know, if anyone saw anything that's help, even the smallest detail, just let them know. And then Casey notices um, this boy, Rashidi, who's sitting near the front. And he notices that Rashidi was the one who, in last week's episode, helped save a girl's life. And so he praises that. And then at the other hand, so there's Rashidi. And then there's this student named Mateo who... I don't know why Severide, I guess he notices that Severide notices that he's not that interested. So Severide chooses to like ask him and then kind of like pick on him in a way. And, you know, but Mateo has no interest in speaking to them. So class is over and Mateo walks out. But Rashidi stays behind because he wants to talk to Casey and Severide. But he spots Mateo staring at them. And he kind of basically just clams up and immediately stops talking and leaves. Okay. Clearly, something's up and something's wrong, and Casey and Severide can kind of sense that, but there's nothing they can really do. Um, but so they go back to Firehouse 51 and they debrief with this time Donna, which I don't, I mean, I guess obviously Donna's Bowden's wife and she was involved, so she could be debriefed, but typically she, like a spouse, would not be debriefed in these kind of conversations, but we're just going to overlook that. And so it's Donna Bowden and someone from OFI. And Donna, you know, Casey and Severide tell them, you know, about Rashidi and Mateo, and especially Mateo, because they seem to think right now that Mateo's kind of this target and he's the one that clearly did it. Um, and so Donna explains kind of the deal with Mateo, including the fact that he's been suspended before for lighting trash cans on fire on school grounds. Clearly, he seems to be the first person to come to mind and that clearly he's the one who did it but you know it seems again so a little too obvious <laughs> but the OFI officer you know wants to talk to Mateo and see if he has an alibi but Donna's not all for that she's like why can't you lock him up like it's clearly he did it he's got you know the past that proves it and the this and the that and but it's not a crime yet you know he can't you know, you can't just lock someone up because you think that. And so, But Severide says, you know, if they get a confession out of him, then they won't need forensics. But nothing happens at this point in terms of Mateo being arrested. You know, it's just a conversation. Um, but then later on, Brett and Gabby go out on a call. And when they arrive on the scene, they find Rashidi laying on the ground. He's clearly beaten up badly and he has a broken arm. And Gabby immediately recognizes him as the kid from the fire at school. And she kind of demands to know who did this to him, and but he blows it off. And he's like, it's no one I know, you know, I just need help. But then as Brett's helping him into the rig, Gabby's like, he obviously knows who did it, and he just refuses to say. Well, duh. I mean, <laughs> yes, he obviously, he obviously knows who did it, and he doesn't want to, like, duh, Gabby, duh. Anyway. So Donna then hears about Rashidi being attacked and kind of shows up to the firehouse all in a fluster. She's like, 
how could this have happened? And she starts yelling at Casey and Severide for not believing her. And she's yelling about how things aren't going so well for Miss Wagner, who's a chemistry teacher either. And then Severide, you know, being Severide, and he kind of wants to take control. He leaves and saying how he's going to try and do more than just check on the lab results that they're waiting on from OFI. Like, he's going to handle this. So, of course, Severide being Severide, he shows up to school and he follows Mateo through the halls. Because, of course, Severide can't do anything without some sort of conflict. Uh, yeah, he can't do it, whatever. Anyway, so he finds Mateo and he kind of confronts him and pushes him against the wall, saying, you know, he knows he he's the one that beat up Rashidi for knowing that Mateo actually set up the fire. But Mateo, you know, and Severide's like, why just won't you confess right now? And Mateo does. You know, he admits that he beat, he beat Rashidi for being, in his words, a punk ass. And, you know, he's the one who chucked a match into the chemistry lab and that, you know, it's not his problem that the teacher may die. Okay. Again, things seem a little too easy that Mateo just kind of admitted it right away. Um, but Severide almost also throws him off the railing, you know, while he's trying to intimidate him. And But Mateo was kind of afraid and runs away. Okay, Severide, I love you, but that's not the way you deal with things. You don't almost throw kids off a railing. But, like, seriously, though, what would he have done? I mean, obviously, this is a scripted television show. I get it. This is, would not have ever happened. But what if he had, like, someone had seen him, like, threatening to throw a kid over the railing? Like, and in the it days of social media. So much trouble. Right, and in the days of social media, someone had whipped out a camera phone and taken a picture, taken a video. That would have been on the news, like, it's no one's business. It, yeah. It would not have gone well. But that's just me thinking about all the things that have conflicts. That would be my PD when it came in and saved him. Oh, true. That, this is where we would have had a crossover <laughs> A crossover right here. waiting to happen. Right. Uh, we're just going to come up. I feel like through this podcast, we're just going to come up with all these great crossover ideas that no one's ever going to write. Yeah. We could do. Yeah. So many crossover ideas just flowing through all these episodes. But anyway. Derek, so, if you're listening to this, you should take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so after this, the lab results that Ofa had sent off come in as kind of Severide returns, and he's admitting that he goes to the high school and got Mateo to confess. Um, they don't really show that much, I mean, in terms of anything concrete but Bowden still wants to call the authorities now that Mateo confessed but Severide kind of stops him and says you know he doesn't really think Mateo is the one who did it because the fire was a chemical fire and it's not started by a match which is how Mateo admitted or what Mateo admitted to starting it with was a match and so then everyone starts thinking about well why would he confess to a crime he didn't commit well duh he's being intimidated by Severide like I would just do that. I would, well, maybe I wouldn't, but I would most likely confess just so I could get away from this whole situation. I mean, nobody wants to still be sitting here, you know, being intimidated and being held up by, like, no. Um, but anyway, 
And so then Bowden and Casey and Severide are sitting there in Bowden's office and they're, Gabby finds them kind of reviewing the paperwork and the results and they're all bouncing ideas off each other. And so when she hears that one of the chemicals that was used in this whole thing was chlorine from the pool, Gabby's wheels start turning. And, you know, because when she found Rashidi at the scene of the call that she was called to, um, it was at a rec center and Rashidi had worked at that rec center because he's a lifeguard at the pool there. So when she hears chlorine from a pool, her wheels start turning. So then Casey and Severide and Donna and Bowden arrive to the ICU of the hospital where they see Rashidi kind of watching the chemistry teacher lying in a coma. And Severide and Casey confront him about the chlorine that he would have access to in his lifeguard job. And there's just he just has a moment, you know, he closes his eyes and he looks at them saying that, basically commit, admitting that he started the fire because it's like, you know, the fire wasn't supposed to get this big. You know, he really just wanted a small fire at Mateo's lab table. And so that because of Mateo's arson pass, it would get him kicked out of school and he wouldn't be able to bully Rashidi anymore. I understand Rashidi wanting to be, you know, obviously being stopped bullied, you know, bullying is wrong, all these things. My first thought would never have been to start my own fire to get my bully kicked out of school. Yeah, but that's not the right move. No, and it's not, you know, obviously violence doesn't stop violence and, you know, but and bullying's n- never a great thing and never any, you know, never the solution to any problem. But that's what happens in this situation. And so, you know, Rashidi also admits to, you know, wanting to tell Casey and Severide earlier, but then Mateo thought he was trying to pin the fire on him, which is obviously then the reason why Rashidi got beat up outside the rec center. And so Donna feels bad about kind of the whole situation, especially for being so quick to make judgments about Mateo. And so Casey reminds her that if she didn't suspect arson, they may never even have found out in the first place. But then Donna like kind of walks away and goes to check on teacher and Bowden and Casey and Severide have this moment. And Bowden shares, you know, it could have been Donna in this, you know, in the hospital room had things got even worse. And, you know, he's like, I understand if I'm bullheaded and become irrational when it comes to love, but that's just who I am. And kind of the moment of understanding that this trio has in this scene is it's everything. I mean, I love this trio so much and I love this relationship and I love this mentorship that the three of them have. And it's just that was such a great scene. It, it really was. It was a really great scene. Um, so, yeah, and then the last scene kind of that deals with this storyline is Severide shows up Mateo's door at the in the very last scene of the episode, basically saying, like, yeah, Mateo, you're off the hook, and kind of a Severide's way of apologizing. And Severide says, you know, I know what it feels like when people already have their mind made up about you. And I'm just like, really, Severide? Okay, duh, people have... You're Severide, duh. But, um, and I, he had this really great quote that I really liked. And he goes, you know, sometimes it's easier just to let them think the worst. It doesn't have to be like that. You decide who you are, not them. But you can't go around beating people up every time you feel disrespected. That'll take you down a dark road. Trust me. you got a second chance here. Don't blow it. And, I mean, I thought that was really a really poignant thing for Severide to say in that moment. 
And, you know, Severide just kind of walks away after that. And Mateo calls out about asking about the condition of the teacher, um, which obviously shows that he's really is better than his reputation. And I thought that was just a really great scene to end on. But that was kind of the whole thing about what happened in last week's episode. Ashley, do you have any other thoughts? What Did you like this case and kind of how the whole aftermath of last week's episode ended in this week's? Yeah, I felt it was like a good closure for that case. And I really liked the whole entire episode. Yeah, I did too. And I also really like, I'm a big fan of kind of when, if a case doesn't necessarily wrap up so neatly into one episode and it kind of can go into multiple I think those always make for really great episodes because they really then get to go into detail way more Mm -hmm. about what happens and obviously it's not like last week's episode was all about this fire and the school fire but we did get to see it for like 10 minutes or so at the end of last week and so 10 minutes plus the 40 minutes that are about this week I mean like that's a good amount of time for them to go really into depth into this like into a case and into a story so I'm a really big fan of when they do that and I think those episodes always turn out to be really great yeah and they like always wrap it up in one episode so it was like good and it was something different that they um put it into two episodes this week yeah and I think you know I'd like I said it's just it's just a, it's a nice change of pace um so the last storyline we kind of need to talk about it's probably one of my favorite story. Like, I mean, obviously this part of the story is clearly for comedic relief, but it's probably one of my favorite things they've done for comedic relief in like all of fire. I thought it was so funny. So we're obviously talking about the firefighter muster that started in last week. So in terms of the firefighter muster stuff kicking off in this week's episode, it starts when firehouse 51 helps out another firehouse, firehouse 87, with a dangerous truck accident that traps um, one of 87's own lieutenants. And so afterwards, they save this lieutenant, but yet the other squad isn't that happy about the help. And so they have this whole, like, confrontation thing. And, of course, this leads Mouch to challenge 87 to sign up for the firefighter muster. And, of course, they put a wager of $1,000 on it because people like to bet things on things, whatever. I think one of my favorite facial expressions in this episode or in this scene was Otis's face when Mouchfort says like a thousand dollars. It's hysterical. So at first Otis is like, "Oh yeah, a thousand dollars!" Like it's on, and then it quickly shifts to like, "Oh shit, Mouch! Like what the fuck are you doing? A thousand dollars? Like that's a lot of money." But like it's just a really great moment. Um, but yeah, so then. After fire, like, at, when they're back after the firehouse, after the accident, Mouch is trying to, like, pump everyone up about the firefighter muster, and he goes into this really elaborate story, which starts with the words, when my heart stopped, when I was going into the light, like, Mouch is such a great story, like, that's great, like, Mouch is a really good storyteller, Herman's really great at the speeches, but Mouch is really great at, like, telling the stories and kind of, like, going on these elaborate things, and this was like maybe my favorite Mouch story thing ever. It was great. Um, and he goes, I'm surrounded by everyone at 51 and everyone's walking hand in hand up to this golden chalice. And basically this whole vision is supposed to be them w- winning the firefighter muster and Mouch is like, I didn't understand what it was supposed to be, but now it's clear to me what it is about. And he, you know, 
Herman being Herman has this great line and he's, you know, it's funny how you never told us about this vision until you backed us into a thousand dollar bet. <laughs> Whatever. And then so matches their coach, obviously. And so he assigns each of them to an event that's going to maximize the team's chances of winning. Okay, great. And so when it comes to the actual event at the end of the episode, Mouch is being Mouch and, you know, he wants to take control. And so he's upset about little things like Cruz came in second in the dummy run, even though that second place still gets the points. And it's not like he came in last or whatever, but second's not good enough for Cruz, for Mouch. And so Cruz finally has this moment and, you know, he's like, I don't want to do what you say anymore, Mouch. You know, he's like, I love you, but I can't, you know, I can't keep doing things just to make up for the fact that I kind of played a part in you almost dying. And Herman's like, finally, <laughs> just being Herman is great. And so then Mouch still, the only thing Mouch really focuses on the fact that like, why is Cruz, Cruz did the dummy run. So if he's not doing the pole hang, then the pole hang, then no one's doing the pole hang. And if they, no one's doing the pole hang, then they've clearly lost the 87. And Cruz is like, okay, well, thanks, but whatever. And Cruz is like, just because I say I'm not doing the pole hang anymore doesn't mean that no one else is. So Sylvie, who struggled so hard with that freaking dummy, does the pole hang. And she turns out she's great at it. Unlike the dummy drag, whatever. And she actually wins. And so, but even with Sylvie winning the pole and hang, there's still a couple points behind, whatever, whatever. And so they still have the chance to win, but it all comes down to tug of war. Tug of war, it's 51 versus 87. And it looks this like this might have been my favorite scene of like the whole entire episode. Yeah, no, this was a great scene. And so it looks like they might lose based off the size because 87 gets like one of their big, strong, muscly guys back, of course, just in time for tug of war, but whatever. But then suddenly Bowden and Casey show up and they end up winning. And I read this comment on Twitter when I was live tweeting, but who knew tug of war would be such an emotional event? Like, I was sitting here and, like, Casey and Bowden show up, and obviously, like, everyone's cheering, and it's such, it's this whole family dynamic, and I was just, like, trying not to get emotional because I just love this Firehouse 51 family so much. Ashley, why was this one of your favorite scenes of the episode? I don't know. I just liked how they all came together at the end, and like you said, it was kind of emotional. Yeah. I, like I said, who knew Tug of War could be <laughs> so damn emotional? Not me. I had no idea. But, um, so yeah. So that's all kind of the, I mean, that's what's happened in this episode. But I know I have the little things I want to say just kind of overall. Ashley, do you have any overall thoughts about the episode in general? It was a good second episode. I really liked it. Yeah, I was a really big fan. I mean, I think the one thing I'd say, and I don't know if this is just because now that we're doing a podcast, I dissect the episodes a little bit more, and so I notice things. But I thought, I mean, it was a really great episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was still, it was a little safe. I mean, obviously, it was a little predictable. Like, I knew, obviously, the fact that, you know, it wasn't going to be Mateo who was the one that was an incident. And, and then, you know, when they think it might be arson, up, oh, that's too easy. It can't be so, I mean, in those kind of ways, it played a little bit safe. It wasn't anything, like, I didn't see anything coming. Whereas, like, last week when Donna's like, oh, I think it might be arson. I had no idea that was coming, like, at all. Um, 
But, I mean, I thought it was really good. And like I said, anytime Don and Bowden are together, it's so great. And anytime, I love when Casey and Severi team up to go, you know, be investigators and do all these things and whatever. They're always really great. Um, and then also, I, I want to add. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, Dawson and Stella. We, I want more scenes between them two. Yeah, I was I was literally just about to say, but yeah, <laughs> I think the combo of them is something we don't get to see as often. I mean, obviously, Dawson literally said Gabby literally said that in the episode, and I mean, I think when Stella first showed up and it was clear that obviously Gabby and Stella knew each other. I don't think we've gotten to know enough about how they knew each other and, you know, their time as friends pre-51. And I wish we got to see them hang out a little bit more just so we could learn a little bit more about that backstory. Because the fact that they have a backstory pre-51 is so great. And it adds to why their friendship is so strong, you know, already at 51. And A, I want to learn more about that. And B, I just want more scenes of them in general. And, like, just girl scenes in general. Like, why can't we have more Stella, Gabby, and Brett scenes, like, talking about life? Remember, didn't uh, Dawson and Brett used to live together? Yeah, didn't Dawson move in with Brett after Casey and... Casey. Casey and her had some kind of argument or something? Yeah. I don't know if it was technically... It wasn't a breakup, but... Or was it a breakup? I don't know. I I don't don't even... I don't remember what... I can't remember if that was three or four when that exam but yes they yeah yeah yeah. but yeah I just I think especially for just I mean this goes for PD too but especially when shows don't have a whole lot of female characters to begin with I think they need to do a better job of highlighting those female characters and you know showing them together and you know Mm -hmm. I just I think that I'm not saying obviously every episode or this because that would be way too overkill and it would be way too obvious but it's something we don't get enough of, and it's something I want to see more of for sure. Um, but yeah, but I re- like I said, I, I really like this episode. Um, next week is the episode where we get to see uh, uh, interim chief come in for the morning, and he and Casey have some issues, and Leon's coming back next week. Um, so there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm super excited for next week's episode as well. Although based off the promo, I mean, I had to go back and look at the episode description to see what next week's episode was actually about because that promo didn't really seem to be that great at showing what the episode was supposed to be about. Yeah. But it still looked good. It still looked fun, um, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, but, yeah, so that's everything we had for episode eight um, where we talked about six or two of fire. Um, as always, you can find us on social media on, at our email address. On pretty much every social media platform, we are at Meet Us at Molly's. You can email us your thoughts anytime about fire, PD, med, if you want to even talk about med, um, just anything related to One Chicago, you can email us at meetusatmollies at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out to somebody, one of us individually on Twitter, you can find me at BrianaK13 and... I'm at Ashnake095. Yeah, and we'll be back on Friday with a new episode talking about PD. And Gina should be back. We should all finally be back together um, after some kind of craziness that's been going on in our lives. But, yeah, we'll all be back together. So until then, bye, everybody. Have a great week.